Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, feline friends. This is Michelle Fern, your host on Catitude. And I have a really interesting show today. I have a special guest, and we're going to talk about a topic that is kind of near and dear to my heart. It actually aggravates me. So I love talking about those kind of things. I think it might aggravate some of you out there, too. And we'll see what my guest thinks. We'll be right back. You know how every house you go to has a certain smell, like... You know, my grandmother's house used to smell like like uh, cooked cabbage all the time, kind of stinky. And I have a friend of mine, her house always smells like incense burning. I feel like I'm in a different country. It's very, you know, exotic smelling. Well, that's okay. But one thing I don't want my house smelling like is a zoo because I have three cats and two dogs. And with three cats, you have a lot of litter boxes. I really don't want that litter box smell to greet you when you come into my house. So what I use is Arm & Hammer Clump & Seal. It seals and destroys the odor on contact for a seven-day odor-free home guaranteed. So don't let your house smell like a litter box just because you have kitties. Get Arm and Hammer, Clump and Seal. Arm and Hammer, more power to you. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'd like to introduce Harris Baker. He is the owner and creator of at Catfluence and Catfluence.com. And his tagline is uh, influencing cats through social media. Welcome, Harris. Hey, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited to have you. And for everyone listening, we're going to talk more to Harris about how we got into, you know, cats and social media and all of that, because it's pretty interesting. But today we have another topic. But before we get to that, I want to introduce Harris to all of you. So Harris, tell us about a little about yourself and about your cats. Yeah, so I've had I have two cats currently, their names are Elliot and Olivia. They're going on seven years old uh, this year, a couple of years, actually, about six months into having them, I started an Instagram account for them. A couple of years after that, um, I'm, I'm a digital marketer by trade. So I've worked with a lot of different influencers and athletes, different people like that who are big on social media. So it kind of inspired me to start Catfluence from there. It's a lot of posting about cats and their humans, different products, different funny viral videos, um, memes, and anything kind of related to cats and, and what they're about on social media. And then what kind of cats are Olivia and Elliot? Yeah, Elliot, Olivia and Elliot. So I'm not 100% sure on the kinds. One of them is orange and the other one, Olivia. She is a calico cat and they're actually brother and sister. They're from the same breed. And for anybody who's a, a Law & Order SVU fan out there, that's what the, the names are from uh, Olivia Benson and Elliot Stabler. So shout out to them. 
Okay, Elliot, the ginger, and Olivia, the calico. And did you know most gingers are males? I had heard that. And yeah, a lot of when I tell a lot of people that I have a ginger cat, that's what they say to me. Well, we want to show off that we know. No, yeah. I, just, I, I did some research on different cats and had a couple of shows. And I thought, you know, wow, that's interesting. I never knew that, you know. And yeah. uh, there's so many interesting things about yeah. cats and a lot of those kind of things. So they were from the same litter. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, so that means mama got impregnated by two different males, most likely. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, see, I, I didn't know that. So you got me there. Yeah, because two of my cats, actually one one of my cats, but the other two I ended up adopting out. But Molly is a tuxedo. She's black and white. The other two are tabby in her litter. And Mama is a tabby. So where did the black and white come from? So that was from another their male. Got it. I didn't know that either. But And it's it's not like she's, you know, Sammy's a slut or anything. It works by pheromones. They come and <laughs> go after the female. It's, you know, we've heard a lot of jokes, you know, have her cross her legs or something, you know, but it's not like that. It's not like people. It's a different kind of thing. Yeah, it's nature. So that kind of leads the way into what I want to talk about. And I'm not 100% sure of your view on this, Harris, but I just learned this term and I wasn't quite sure what it was. And I did a little investigating. Have you ever heard of the term feeder breeders? I, I actually hadn't previously until you kind of brought it up to me as, as a topic for show, but then, then I started doing some research on it. It's definitely an interesting topic. There's definitely a lot of different opinions on it, so, so I'm kind of interested in discussing that with you. All right, so we're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about feeder breeders. We'll be right back. My dog, Mojo, was half beagle and half coonhound. He ate everything in sight. He would swallow things whole, including a chicken carcass, a bird nest with a bird in it, and assorted stones and sticks. We had to take him to the veterinary emergency room. After surgery, Mojo had skin issues. He was constantly itching and scratching, chewing on his feet, and chewing the hair right off of his legs, being irritated, lethargic, and just not the same dog. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. When we put him on the Dynavite, he took right to it. All of these symptoms disappeared. Dynavite is nutrition. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. Something that he actually likes to eat. You need to put him on Dynavite. Dynavite for life. If you love your dog, you don't just want him healthy, you want him to be happy. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'm with my buddy Harris, and he is the um, creator and owner of Cat Fluence at CatFluence and CatFluence.com. For everyone listening, this information will be on Pet Life Radio on the Catitude show page for this episode. So if you forget, just go there. So, okay, Harris, let's talk about feeder breeders. So first of all, for everyone listening, if you've never heard the term before, feeder breeders is a term a lot of, I guess, cat 
rescuers give to people that put out food for stray cats, but that's all they do. They don't go the extra step, which is really necessary, which is to take them to get fixed. So that's pretty much what my definition. Harris, have you have you found out anything different or do you have a different definition that you've heard? Or When I first looked it up online, I saw some stuff about people feeding rats and then feeding the rats so they can give them to other animals. But then after, after talking with you about it, that was totally off and, and not what we're discussing. But I, I think what you said is, is, is kind of pretty in line with what it's about. Yeah. And even though I guess rats and cats can sometimes go together, they gross me out. So we'll just stick yeah, with the cats. <laughs> yeah. I try, to, I try to stay away from them as much as possible. Ooh. And I'm sorry if I'm offending anybody that has pet rats because some people, you know, like to have pet rats, but I can't go there. So, yeah. So there's on one hand, you know, people that just put out food for the kitties, you know, just think while well, they're feeding these homeless kitties and it's, it's a great thing. But what they're actually doing, and I think most of the, the people that do this don't realize, but what they're actually doing is increasing the cat population that is most likely going to be euthanized. Yeah, I definitely didn't realize that. And when, when you first brought the topic up to me, my initial thoughts were, oh, well, th- these people are taking care of cats, they're feeding them, they're keeping them alive. But then after doing some research, I realized that's not really what's happening. And they're kind of, people are kind of contributing to making things worse for these cats. Exactly. Because don't get me wrong, it's nice to feed the you know community cats in your area or feral cats, but that's ultimately leading to their demise or the litter's demise because feeding them keeps them healthy, which is a nice thing, but then they're going to procreate. And during kitten season, a female cat can have, I think, about three to four litters. Sammy, the cat that we were feeding, we didn't know any better. I was a feeder breeder to start. I didn't realize and thought she was getting a little chubby and there came a litter and cats roam at two weeks old. And so these little teeny kittens are roaming around. And what do you think happens? You know, they start mating with, with each other and Ma- right, but they also little cats. And they get killed a lot of times because yeah. they don't know that, oh, there's a street, there's cars, you know, they don't know. So it's kind of a catch-22. I mean, it's some people don't have the means, they don't want to go any further than just putting out a little bit of food. And then there's people and then they just don't realize that it's a cycle that needs to be broken because you put out food, you have cats, uh, they cat breeds, then there's babies, then the babies grow up and then they breed and so on. And one cat can multiply to thousands within a short time. It's incredible. Yeah, I think that that's pretty alarming. That's something I never, I never really thought about as well. And I guess that ends up leading to shelters being overcrowded, which, like you said, then it, it ends up cats need to be euthanized because the shelters can't, can't really care for them anymore. Right. And depending on where you live, they're either euthanized in the shelter or just they don't make it after just a few weeks. The kittens just are either killed by other animals or they get run over or they die from illness. Those are probably the, the, the three different, main three different causes. Yeah. So have you trapped any or had any experience with TNR cats in your area? 
So I, I have had some experience. My grandfather, he was living with, with somebody. He was like renting space in someone's house in, in Long Island. He, he now moved back. Uh, he lives in, with my parents in Jersey now, but she was a, a feeder breeder. And at the time I, th- I thought it was awesome. Like I would go over the house I would see these cats. She built a little shelter out of boxes from them, was keeping them warm in the in the winter. And then I thought it was cool to kind of just see the cats outside. And I wouldn't really go play with them or anything, but I would in- interact through the window. And now looking back on that, I kind of regret not getting involved with their saying something or, or doing anything about it because I don't think she was an old woman. I don't think there's any way that they were spayed or neutered or, or properly treated for anything. It's probably for most people that do this are just kind of ignorant of the fact that they're, you know, helping to increase the cat population that's going to be, you know, die. And there's a lot of things that you can do that don't require a, a lot of money or a lot of work even on your part. There are a lot of shelters and small, you know, foster care groups within the area that you can reach out into in your neighborhood. There's there's many, many neighborhood apps that you can reach, you know, put the word out on and say, you know, you have a lot of stray cats, you need help, you don't have the means. And if at all possible, a lot of times people from these rescue groups will come to your area and trap the cats. Yeah. So that's That's one option. You could trap them yourself. A lot of places, you know, I know in my area, there's a um, TNR vet. They only, you know, generally accept the kitties during a certain time period, early in the morning. They charge $25, $30. They fix the cat. They ear notch the cat. So for everybody listening, and, and most people know this, but most wild, you know, TNR cats, trap and release cats, will have some kind of an ear notch that lets people know that, okay, that cat's fixed. So I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Did you know about that one? No, no, I did not know about that. Well, then we're spreading the word and we're to get it out. But it's a good idea because a lot of the animal control places, what they try to do is get the cats off the street so that they can fix them and they will release them. Not all, but most of them. And this way they know they don't have to bother with that cat because that cat's fixed. One thing I actually wanted to ask you and that I kind of wanted to bring up something that happened with one of my cats, does TNR, does that involve vaccinating them as well? When they do the trap and release, I don't think it includes vaccinating them. I know that it depends on the vet that you bring the cat to. When I brought Jethro to the local TNR place that's in my area, um, he was there early in the morning and he had some, he wasn't vaccinated. He had some kind of an ear issue and they didn't tell me about it, but they just took care of it. So, which was very nice of them. And I just paid what the price was. I think it was $25, which is, is not much. I mean, it's not like it's a huge sum and you're preventing the death from who knows how many kitties, you know, to follow. But I think most places do not vaccinate. They just do the the surgery to either spay or neuter the cat and that's it. Okay. I did have kind of a, a crazy story that happened to one of my cats, Elliot, a couple of years ago through getting vaccinated. And, and I definitely think it is important to get cats vaccinated. But so a couple of years ago, I moved into a new apartment and part of the requirement was I had to get my cats vaccinated for like feline distemper and, and rabies and show proof of that. So we kind of went in for the routine shots. And then my one cat, Elliot, he actually got sick 
and had an allergic reaction to the vaccine. And it was really scary because he, he got really sick. He was he was very frail, uh, was kind of limping around. He wasn't eating. He wasn't playing or doing anything. And eventually I, I had to start giving him pills and stick pills into treats and kind of trick him into eating them. Uh, fortunately, after, after a couple months, he was fine. And now he's like back to full strength. But I think that was kind of just a crazy experience that I kind of just wanted to share that even when you do get cats vaccinated for things, they can they have allergic reactions to things just like humans do. Yeah, that's horrible. And then I'm glad Elliot's doing yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Are your cats indoor and outdoor? Uh, no, they're strictly indoor. It's strictly indoor. I guess maybe because it was an apartment, they didn't want anything lingering in the apartment for, you know, future residents, you know, if they had an animal to pick up or something, because there's a few schools of thought on if your cat's strictly indoor, you know, do you need to go through all the vaccinations? Because sometimes like what happened with Elliot, they can get sick from that. Yeah. So I don't know, different schools of thought. So I mean, my TNR cats, they're not vaccinated. They're flea treated. They have, a, you know, a little house with that has a heated bed, which they don't need too much in South Florida. But when it gets <laughs> a little cool, they have a special little pad for them and for the rain. And of course, they're fixed. Lately, there's a new one coming around, but I'm not sure if he belongs to someone because he has a bell, but he shows up every morning for his breakfast. And I'm concerned to take him to get fixed because I think he belongs to someone and he's just an indoor outdoor cat. So that's perplexing. I don't know what to do with that. So I'm just leaving him because I don't think he's a homeless cat. That's a tough situation. Are are all your cats indoor or outdoor or or both? My main crew, Dennis, Charlotte and Molly are indoor. Then we have Sammy and Jethro who are the parents of Charlotte and Sammy's the mother of Charlotte and Molly. Molly, that remember I said there was another, she had pregnant by two males, so we don't know the yeah. other male for Sammy. So two outdoor, three indoor, and one visitor for uh, <laughs> for food in the morning, you know, <laughs> that yeah. I, I think belongs to someone because he has a, a collar with a bell. And that's not easy to get on a TNR yeah. cat. So. Yeah, or unless he just found it in the wild somewhere and put it on himself. Yep, except he came <laughs> off once and he got him back on, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But what is, your, what is your thought on these feeder breeders? I think they should be educated a little bit more and go the extra length. If you're going to go to the trouble to buy food and, you know, take care of the cats that are out in the wild, just go the extra little step. If you can't afford it, there's places you could reach out to that will come and, you know, trap and, you know, spay and release the, these, you know, wild cats. What is your thought? Yeah. I mean, I, I sort of do agree with that. Cause like I said, I was definitely one of those people who wasn't really educated on it. And now having done some research and talking with you about it, I definitely have a better understanding, but I think it's kind of uh, the role of the community to kind of spread the word that this is a problem and that there are resources out there, whether it's at shelters or hospitals or just talking with other other animal or cat people that there are ways to kind of combat the problem and that'll ultimately help help nature, help communities um, and help help the cats as well. Yes. Well said. Exactly. There are definitely a lot of resources. And once I I realized how fast cats could breed and how crazy it is during kitten season, 
I decided, you know, I this cat has to get, Sammy has to get fixed. And I couldn't catch her. I caught Jethro twice. I caught a raccoon, but I couldn't catch her. <coughs> I actually reached out and people that have listened to Catitude, I'm sorry, you're probably hearing this for the second or third time, but I reached out on the app Neighbor, Neighbors or Neighborhood, and someone, you know, mentioned that her friend was a cat trapper and I actually had a show with her um, and her partner. And they actually trap cats. You can catch most cats in a humane trap. And let me stress also that for most place time, most of the time when you're bringing a cat to a shelter, it either has to be in a humane trap or in a crate. Otherwise, they won't take it. Okay. But I had to hire a cat trapper. She used to drop trap, kind of like if anybody remembers that um, that old comic Roadrunner, you know, running around and then the cage just comes down on, you know, the, yeah. the, the, to catch. It was kind of like that. It was a little intense because Sammy's a tough one. She's very tiny and she's very nervous and a little, she, she's just kind of high strung. She's a very high strung cat. And I didn't think that this cat trapper could catch her. And she did. I was shocked. She did <laughs> and was not expensive. It was just a little bit more than me taking the, you know, the Sammy to the vet to get fixed, just doing it that way. If I had caught her, it was just a little bit more and it was yeah. well worth it. And the other thing for everybody listening out there is when you fix your cats, when you spay and neuter, those cats that you're feeding, good chance they will live longer. Did you know that? No. Why is that? Well, I don't know so much for the male cats, but for the female cats, every pregnancy is, you know, that they go through is a risk. I mean, it's it's a burden to the female cat. It's a trauma to the female cat. And, you know, they're if you think about it, it's not like they're giving birth in a vet's office or in a home. They're out in the wild. They can get an infection. There's a lot of different things that could happen. So every time they give birth, it's a trauma. And she was pregnant twice within five months. So oh, uh, yeah, it's got it's got to take a toll. Yeah. Figure it takes a toll, right? And it's April through like October, they say is kitten season. So basically they can have about three litters during kitten season, generally about three to a litter, but more is common. So you figure that's nine cats and depending on how many are female, but even the males can impregnate other females. And, and anyone is interested, just do a little research. You'll be shocked at how one cat, what one cat could equal, you know, in breeding down the line within like, say, maybe a 10 year period. It, it's, it's in the hundreds of thousands. It's incredible. Wow. So I urge you, everybody out there that's a feeder breeder, stop being a feeder breeder, be a feeder breeder fixer. How about that? Maybe we'll start a new word or something. Yeah, you know, I think that's, you know, I think whatever. That's I mean, a good maybe a hashtag on Instagram. Yeah, hashtag feeder breeder fixer or yeah, I guess fixer because we, well, well, you're pretty good at this, Harris. What would you what would you call it? I, I think I think that is pretty good, and I think using what I know and what I do, we could definitely market that and get get other shelters and hospitals and other other people involved with it but but I'll I'll think I'll think about it a little bit see if we could come up with something else. Oh, that'd be good. 
it's a hard thing, you know, because you don't want to tell people, you know, you're doing something nice. You're, you're feeding these cats that are not eating very nutritiously. They're, they're eating lizards and bugs and other things I don't want to talk about and think about that are out there. So, you know, you're providing nutrition for these cats. So you obviously care about the cats. Just do the extra little step. It's not that much more. It's a little bit of money. It's not a fortune. And if you can't afford it, reach out to people in your community. There's a lot of rescues that will, you know, come by if you, I've heard so many different stories of people saying, you know, there's a, there's a family of kittens. I can't catch them all and they're going to die otherwise or whatever. But just reach out to shelters in your community, other places in your, your community. Sometimes your animal control office, if it, there are no kill animal control, there are some like that across the country. They can come out and trap the cats and fix them and then they'll come back to the same neighborhood and release them. So that's an option too. And look out for the ear notch. I think that is very common um, and done. I think it's all over the U.S. I don't know about other countries, but I know, I believe all over the U.S. they do some type of ear notch so that you know the cat's fixed. Okay. No, it's good to know. I'll definitely start looking out for that. That definitely makes me aware going through my day because I, I always see cats, stray cats running around. I'm like, oh, I just think, oh, that's that's a cute cat. But now I'm kind of changing my mindset and, and seeing how I can maybe get involved and be part of the solution now. And spread the word, you know. And yeah. the other thing great about the ear notch is it's hard to find out otherwise if a cat is fixed because their private parts are kind of hidden. It's unlike dogs. You could, well, especially male dogs, you could tell. Female dogs, not as much. But for cats, it's pretty hard to tell unless you are my cat catcher could tell that there was a this there was a ginger cat across the street she could tell he was fixed but i have no idea so <laughs> look out for the ear notch i don't know how else you can you can tell and that's it so be a feeder breeder fixer and harris anything you want to add no i think we kind of hit on all of it i would say everyone if you're a little sent to this kind of spread the word and just try to educate people and if you see people doing things that that aren't right kind of educate them on, on why they should be doing it differently and kind of spreading the word and like i said try to try to be part of the solution exactly be part of the solution and help minimize or hopefully deplete at some point the amount of cats that are euthanized just for being born I think this is a great show. Thank you so much for coming on Catitude and engaging with this in this conversation about feeder breeders. And Harris, we have to have you on another show sometime soon to talk about catfluence because I think what you do on Instagram is really cool. And I want to have a chance that we can share that with the listening audience. So you have to come back on Catitude, okay? Absolutely. 100%. Definitely. Thank you for having me on this time. And I look forward to our next conversation. All right. Thanks so much. Well, that was a really fun show. And I really enjoyed having my friend Harris on the show. And I hope to have more shows with him because he is a really interesting guy. And he has a lot of great information on cats and cats and social media. And we'll have a show coming up soon. So, for all you feeder breeders, I did not mean to offend you. Just please take the extra step, save some kitties' lives, and call a shelter. Call and reach out so you can get that cat fixed 
you know, get that cat spayed or neutered. And of course, I'd like to thank my kitties, which are Sammy and Jethro and Charlotte and Dennis and Molly, all of which have been spayed or neutered, sometimes difficult, but we got them all done. So nobody is going and procreating and creating more problems for the uh, shelters out there. And I'd like to thank my everyone listening to Catitude. You guys give me the best information, great comments. I appreciate it all. And thanks, of course, to Mark Winter for making me and my guests sound great. And special thanks to Harris for coming on Catitude. Now keep listening. You never know what we have coming up. Let's talk pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.